Restaurants employ over 15 million people nationwide. And two-thirds of all restaurants are independently owned and not part of big chains. Yet, currently, these small businesses are not represented in government relief negotiations. Roar is working to change that by fighting for relief opportunities for all restaurants. Roar is advocating for an eight-point plan in New York State that will allow restaurants to reopen and rehire when the time comes. Dozens of industry leaders have signed onto this plan, like Namwa Tea Parlor, Field Trip, Momofuku, and many more of your favorites. You can join them at change.org by searching for Roar, Relief Opportunities for All Restaurants. enthusiasm for this intro today please leave this part in welcome to life's a banquet it's a show it's a show but with two people just barely hanging in there and we're talking about the highs and lows of all things edible spreadable and pourable which basically now are only banana bread only lows only about the lows of looking at people's fucking banana bread on Instagram, hello, I'm Zara. Mm, who are you? I'm Nicole. Great. Should we go? Yes. <laughs> are we done here? All right. It was great talking to you. <laughs> yeah. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> what a... Hello, Nicole. How are ya? I'm fine. How are you? Never better. Living the bestie. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. No, you yeah. know what? Yeah, you I am, sound really, really good. Um, I'm really good. You know what? I am fine. I, like, <laughs> am probably the definition of fine. Like, comparatively to a lot of folks out there who are sick and who are dealing with sick loved ones and who are impoverished and losing their minds or trapped with an abusive spouse, like, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not in dire straits, but I'm not super happy. Right. And I think that's okay to say. Do we agree on that? Or is it okay to say that we don't feel super happy even though we're not in the worst position in the world? Yeah, I don't like to lie about my pee, my pee, my personal feelings, my pee feelings, <laughs> my PFs. <laughs> uh, no need to lie about the PFs, brah. My PF Changs, you know. Um. <laughs> Have you ever been to a PF Changs? Hell yeah, I love personal feeling Changs. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to one. We didn't really have one in my town growing up. Can you tell us and our listener what it what it's all about? It's like Americanized Chinese food, but it's kind of it was like a little bit expensive for us as a fam. Um, but I think it's good. Cool. I, I went mean, there not that long. Ago, well, like several years ago now. But a friend of mine used to work there. He used to work at the one in New Jersey, or there's many in New Jersey. He used to work one of the ones in New Jersey. Okay. And so he, we all went back there with him because he like knew people that worked there still. So we could get like the hookup at PF Chains. <laughs> Yo, that's fun. That's fun. 
before all this shit went down with the crumbling of the world, I had been really looking for a new job. And I was looking at like culinary director jobs on Indeed and there aren't many of those around. And the one that kept showing up, you know, have you ever been on Indeed job listings? Like they also put a lot of stuff in there that aren't the job you're looking for. Oh yeah. Just sneak it in. Yep. And so the one that kept showing up for me was uh, like a manager slash like partner for P.F. Chang's. I don't know if it was for like the whole company. <laughs> like I could have been a part owner of the company of P.F. Chang's. They were looking for an F. They were looking for the feelings. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, but it sounds like a good opportunity. Yeah, it did sound like the opportunity of a lifetime, except now all P.F. Chang's are closed forever. I did make sesame chicken last night for myself, which was banging. You did? Yeah, it was so easy and so delicious. I made for myself last night Papa John's. You made Papa John's? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. I had a hangover from a Zoom phone call. Uh oh. New life. <laughs> New life problems. I keep getting drunk on my Zoom phone calls and then I'm like, what? It's happening. <laughs> That's and funny. And I'll just be on a Zoom phone call for like literally four hours. <laughs> yeah, they do have a way of lasting. When you made the Papa John's pizza, did you um, throw a bunch of racial slurs into it? No, I just ordered it from the store and they brought it to me. I've never had P. John's. How is it? What's the What's it all about? What's the What's the temp? Uh, what it's all about is better ingredients, better pizzas. Oh, right, right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> How could I forget? But what is it like? Like, are we talking a squishy, fluffy crust? Is it thin and yeah. crispy? It's a fluffy crust. Hmm. And it comes with, the most important part is that it comes with dipping sauces. Oh, what kind? Well, you pick whatever kind you want, but I got ranch. Of course. Ranch and garlic sauce and pizza sauce. Oh, wow. What are you drinking right now? I hear, I hear an ice cube clerking around over there. I'm all out of alcohol, so I'm drinking vermouth and seltzer. Oh, well, vermouth is technically alcohol. Yeah, but I don't want to be drinking this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all out of the vermouth that I like. I mean, this is actually a, a nice vermouth. It's like a red vermouth, but I just don't really feel like drinking it. But I felt like I had to. Sure. For the podcast. How's your smoking been going? Have you been smoking? Nope. I'm finding it really hard not to smoke because I'm in so much emotional pain. And all I want to do is just, like eat cigarettes basically <laughs> i would put one up my butt if i if they were still available well, i don't they, even know if you could get them they are still available i had there's a bodega that delivers cigarettes to my house but it costs 20 dollars a pack oh. um hmm. so but i i basically gave up and decided to smoke again my jewel and so i went to the bodega and they didn't have my flavor so i haven't smoked it's what's your flavor sad. what's your flavor bruh Virginia tobacco. Oh, hmm. nice. Um, should we mention that to, that today is terrible because Bernie Sanders dropped out of the presidential race? Just yeah. to timestamp this. <laughs> and that John Prine is dead. And that John Prine is dead. It reminded me of how Leonard Cohen died when Trump was elected. It had a very similar yeah. feel. That's interesting. Yeah. But also, Joe Diffie died last week and nobody cared about him. Uh, yeah. I mean, people did care about him. But. Bill Withers also died, but not from coronavirus, or I don't think he died from coronavirus. It's, like, not sure. And then Kenny Rogers also died. That's true. He did know when to fold him. Kenny Rogers was 
I feel like plenty old though. No, I wasn't carrying. Yeah, he was in his eighties. He died of natural causes. Yeah, um, I feel very sad about John Prine. My my dad loved John Prine. He was his favorite, and I actually remember um, we had a server at Brucey Ryan, who we all loved so much. We were very close. And my dad used to, before he got really sick, used to come up to Brucey and visit. And he'd sit at the bar and he'd talk shit with all the servers. He was such a great guy. And uh, he knew, my dad knew every, 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 everything about music. He was like, he didn't play any instruments, but he like just knew everything about music uh, in a like savant kind of way. Mm-hmm. And he would talk to Ryan about John Prine and uh, they both like really connected over him. And... Then he, like, went home and he burned Ryan every single John Prine CD. Like, every record that he had, he burned it onto CD for Ryan and brought them up the next time he came. That's very sweet. It was very sweet. It was a really nice memory. Um, yeah, and we lost uh, we lost Bernie. So now we're just headed into a hellscape of Well, Bernie's proportions. still alive. <laughs> I know, that's true. And hopefully he'll be the president if Joe Biden is to unexpectedly perish. Yeah, hopefully Joe Biden will die, and so will Trump and Pence, and then everyone else who's in line before AOC, and then she can just become the president. <laughs> That's fine with me. I was talking before about a. U- I'm ready to start a utopia. I'm done with this society, yo. I'm over this society. I'm over this government, both sides. I heard someone the other day um, on a podcast comparing the Democrats and Republicans to Coke and Pepsi, really, they're just the same, which is, you know, kind of an obvious comparison uh, or metaphor or whatever. I mean, they're very different flavors. They're, well, maybe like, (laughs) let's say Coke and orange soda. They're still bad, both bad for you. Um, And uh, then I was, and I'm like, then Bernie's a fucking, like, milkshake. And, like, we just decided to, like, have just, I don't know, Well, whatever. The truth is, is that my friend mentioned this in our group text, but um, it's true. While their boomers are still alive, we're never going to get a democratic socialist in there. And the DNC is a real pile of shit. So real pile of shit. Okay. Yeah. Democrats, you all can suck it. And, and I just, um, yeah. I'm wearing my Bernie Sanders eat the rich t-shirt right now. Oh, good. I, I had, I ordered a Bernie t-shirt that never quite made it, but. That's fine. <laughs> um, I know this is an unpopular opinion and then we can move past this, but like everyone's like, oh God, we can't have Trump for another four years. We have to get behind Biden because we can't have Trump. And I just want to say you made your bed, Democrats, of which I'm no longer a part of your party. I'm an independent. And uh, <laughs> if you get Trump, it's because you fucking asked for it. So don't expect me to line up and vote for Joe Biden. I'm not participating in this fucking yeah. clusterfuck with you. I mean, the issue is basically, I obviously, I talk about this all the time, I don't ever, I've never voted, I only voted one time and it was peer pressure based, Um, because I don't actually believe in our system at all, I don't believe it works in any way, shape or form, but um, honestly, you have to think about using your vote, and we both live in New York, so like, whatever, but we have to figure is voting for Joe Biden going to hurt marginalized people less than Donald Trump? And the answer is probably yes. Yeah. So that's really the only way to think about it at this point. This that's old point. man with dementia who like can't even form sentences and <laughs> said that he <laughs> didn't think 
that watching our health system fail before his very eyes meant that we should go to a single payer system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this dumb ancient piece of shit. Um, yeah, that's because his eyes have been like chemically peeled back. With <laughs> God knows what. His like dentures or whatever, and his son who like blows lines with fucking oligarchs. This mm-hmm. guy is theoretically going to hurt marginalized people slightly less um, because, you know, he won't ban abortion or whatever. So... Yeah. It's really awesome where we're at right now. That's the only... That's the only reason that we would have to vote for him, and I feel like it's a compelling reason. Because, you know, it is privilege. We are privileged, so... Yeah, that's a very um, compelling argument to make, and I will keep my, my ears open to it. Right now, I feel very fucking... These, like, without any hope, and uh, I guess we'll just see what happens. Yeah, but let's bring it back to something less depressing, which yes, is the let's. coronavirus. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our top. A coronavirus is less depressing than Joe Biden. The by coronavirus far. and you. Uh, no, but I live, I live by a hospital, and so, uh, you know, ambulance sounds are a normal part of my life because I'm so close to the hospital. But mm. there are so many right now; it's mm. truly unnerving. Like yeah, it's terrible. Several. Yeah. Several ambulances go by every hour. It's really awful and really disturbing. And I was actually reading something yesterday, just trying to find ways to like get involved and um, you know do things that are meaningful and also that that, that people need, right? And so um, there was a healthcare worker who was putting out a thing that was like, you know, we have a lot of donations of food and stuff like that coming in, and that's so lovely and wonderful. By no means am I telling anyone to not still try to do that. But she was saying, you know, what really is meaningful is getting, like, a letter or, like, a little, like, you know, a note or something, a card, um, preferably one that has been made with rubber gloves on so that you're not infecting people at the hospital. But anyway, I'll post it <laughs> on our thing. It was sweet. It was from Woodhull. That's actually what made me think of it. It was a nurse at Woodhull Hospital. Oh, really? That's the yeah. hospital that I live near. Don't yeah, yeah, stalk me, one listener that we have. Uh, <laughs> Nicole lives at Woodhull Hospital. Should we talk about, speaking of hospitals, should we get into our topic? I guess so. Um, maybe Do you have next anything else we, to say? No, but I think maybe next week we can just have another non-episode where we just kind of talk about what we're thinking about okay, and another what, our friends, what our friends are saying. And maybe if it's really boring, we'll... We'll delete it and record a real episode, but okay, I feel like I'm with that. A, I feel like we have a lot to talk about. That's you know in the vein of what other people are thinking of, and but let's change topics completely. Okay, um, let's do a real one eighty <laughs> to something. Well, I'll, I'll mention why we decided to do this top. Well, at least from my side. So Nicole <laughs> and I both share a love for hot dudes and vintage <laughs> vintage hotties. Should I say particularly? <laughs> And we also both really like film, and we have different kind of things in film that we were talking about last week that we each kind of, like, you know, are our little sections. Nicole knows a lot about old movies and definitely a lot about, like, I feel like you really put me on to getting into watching, like, kind of 70s movies. Oh, yeah. I love that shit. Same. Um, And I've dabbled, of course, but I've, you know, for some reason during this pandemic, I've, like, found myself really tucking into certain things like hard you know like that I'm really into um that are just kind of getting me through and one of those things has been watching at first like 70s movies and then I kind of dialed right into Robert Redford movies because (laughs) I I think you sort of prepped for this 
pre it's like doomsday prepping kind of, but before the before the coronas came, you were doing a deep dive into Kevin Costner movies. Yeah. Well, I crossed up, although I have to be honest, I've watched most Kevin Costner movies before this. There were some that right. I didn't see. But I really like hadn't watched a lot of Red, Robert Redford movies. In fact, I think that like I might have only seen The Horse Whisperer and like Indecent Proposal. Like I don't think I had ever seen any vintage Redford. Um, and of course I'd seen pictures of him and been like, oh, what a hot guy. Um, but like, I'd never really like done a deep dive. And like, Mm -hmm. so I started with the way we were and I was like, God damn it, this man is attractive. And then (laughs) I'm just like going through the whole Robert Cannon. Yeah. uh, Redford Cannon, because like at first started as like, oh, he's hot. But then I realized that it meant something more to me, which sounds stupid, but I'm very, I mean this hundred percent, like. I kind of needed something to, like, be fun and hopeful, right? And, like, as a single person, you know, going through watching one specific person's whole kind of career in film feels like a friendly face to turn on every night. Like, oh, hello again, Robert. Yes, that is a little crazy, but it's, like, you know, it's just hopeful. It's, like, thinking it's daydreaming and it's sexy and it's fun. And, I don't know, for me, it's really helped get me through some of the darker times. Sexy, ooh. Yeah, I've been masturbating to to movies nonstop, just so you okay, guys can all really picture it. Just kidding. Kidding. Kidding, Mom. I've never masturbated. Um, anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> Nicole and I decided that we would do this episode on uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Robert Redford, and Paul Newman. So I'm taking Redford, and Nicole's taking Newman. Yes, but I'm mostly focusing on Newman's food company <laughs> i think that's amazing and i'm gonna just but briefly I talk a, about you know i have some you know, i've got a i've got a variety of topics i'm very my, excited in my newman canon here now <laughs> i was searching for some dirt on robert redford and not that i want to out him i'm very pro redford obviously but i wanted to find something like you know kind of fun to talk about like ooh, and then robert redford like ate nachos out of someone's butt but nothing like that ever happened He's pretty much clean as a whistle, a very upstanding human being, really just like an all-around great guy. So there's not same really for, anything... Same for Paul. Yeah, they're two of the best people ever to really live, and so attractive, and, you know, uh, unavailable. We'll never be with them. So that's unfortunate, but in our <laughs> minds. <laughs> so I'm going to go first today, because I feel like the Newman story is a bit more substantial, and I just have some random facts about... Robert Redford. Agreed. <laughs> okay. So, Charles Robert Redford Jr. was born August 18th, 1936. Isn't that he was, like so His first name ago? is Charles? Yeah. Chuck. Chuck Redford huh, Jr. All right. Yeah. Fascinating. I know. Good thing you tuned in. Um, he went to high school with Natalie Wood in, like, L.A., which I thought was another interesting fact. Apparently, he was kind of a dick to her in high school, which was the only negative thing I could find out about him. And <laughs> They're that's just in a movie hearsay. together, too, right? Yeah, she had a cameo in the movie The Candidate, which is an amazing movie. Very hot. Prime prime 70s Redford. He's at I thought that peak. she and Robert Redford started a movie together. Oh, right. In that, I haven't seen that one. That was like when he was gay, he played a gay character, like a closeted gay guy. Inside Daisy Clover. Inside Daisy Clover. I haven't oh, seen it. Oh, and This Property is Condemned. It's two two movies. Oh, haven't seen it. But she did make a cameo also in um, this movie, The Candidate. Yeah. 
So he almost became a painter instead of an actor, which is really just only adds to his appeal. Um, and he made his debut in film in a movie called War Hunt in 1962, but had been doing TV before that. Like he was in an episode of The Twilight Zone and a couple other things. So moving on, I'm just going to talk about some things that have to do with him and food. So it's kind of like when you Google Robert Redford food, this dessert comes up, which I'm going to get to in a moment, but it's very difficult to find any other information about him with food because it's like all attached to this dessert that's named after him. Which but, I have eaten before. Yes, and I cannot wait to talk about it and get your opinion. But so... The first thing I found, which you mentioned to me yesterday too, Nicole, we were talking about this, that according to Gazette.com, which we can all <laughs> tell is a reliable source, that's where I get my news, Al Jazeera and uh, Gazette.com. Um, <laughs> he had a stay at this hotel called uh, the Colorado, Sp uh, Colorado Springs Hotel, and the club at the Flying Horse um, in Colorado Springs was the restaurant. And according to the restaurant's managers and gazette.com, he quote, dined here almost every night ordering the lobster bisque each time. He Our also stayed there for two months. I know crazy. he like, what was he doing? Maybe he was making a movie. Know. He Guess. fucking moved in. Maybe he's having a fight with a wife. So he no, but she came to visit him, it says in the article. <laughs> I only read this one part. So the, he eats lobster bisque like it's going out of style. Um, and uh, they said he'd often dine with sweats and slippers on, which I found yeah. to be odd. Yes. Do we think that's true? It's an eccentric actor move. It seems very odd. I mean, slippers, I feel like he was probably just wearing a pair of, like, moccasins. And they were like, he was in his pajamas. Anyway, yeah. and then he'd carry a book and we'd require there be a reading lamp at the table, which is a very <laughs> boomer thing to do. Although I think he's even op a little older than a boomer. He was... He told the staff that he would be reading every single time that he was there. Yeah, it's like, and we they... get it, nerd. <laughs> 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 so he loves uh, lobster bisque. I mean, also, it's such a, like, it's such a kind of refined man thing to do, which, like, annoys me instead of just going and eating, like, a burger. He's like, I'm just going to go and slowly slurp a bisque each night as, like, one bowl of soup as I read a book. I don't well, know why I'm trying to, like, badmouth like, him. He also got, like, the steak or something, too. Oh, okay. Well, I just, all I heard about was the lobster bisque. <laughs> they were like, I love, the perspective of the article is really funny because it was basically like whoever wrote it was like, if it's good enough for Robert Redford, it's good enough for me. And so he ordered the lobster bisque from the same restaurant. <laughs> and how was it? He said it was good. Lobster I can't believe you read this whole article. <laughs> no, I just read the part of it because I was like, that's all I need to know. He likes lobster bisque. Um... <laughs> I'm like, I need to know what the hell is going on. I'm reading this article from start to finish. <laughs> I'm a peruser. Um, okay, so anyway, lobster bisque can go one of two ways. It can either be delicious or it can just be like a light pink like fish water with right. like, no lobster meat. So I'm I'm hoping that he got the former. Um, he okay. kept getting it over and over again. Yeah, he, he whatever it was, he, it worked for him. So according to my third favorite news source, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, which I uh, <laughs> tapped into while I was researching about this better than Robert Redford Pie. Now this thing has a lot of names and a lot of opinions, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But according to the South Florida Sentinel, I'm going to start off with this direct quote from their piece. 
Quote, we received more than 50 versions of Better Than Robert Redford Pie in response to a request by Anita Bishop of Deerfield Beach. She had tasted it at a party, and the woman who made it refused to give her the recipe. <laughs> Talk about Rude. stingy. Based on our letters, this recipe has more miles on it than the Sundance kid himself. Dang. Okay. So, basically, this, the dessert is um, shortbread layer. In essence, the basic recipe is a shortbread layer, a no-bake cheesecake layer, a chocolate pudding layer, and a Cool Whip layer. And then chocolate shavings on top. But it has all different kinds of things. Like some people put butterscotch pudding in it. Some people put lemon pudding in it instead of chocolate. Some people put pistachio pudding. You can basically do anything. The the I think the thing that really tethers it to like the same recipe is the no-bake cheesecake layer, the whipped cream on top, and the shortbread crust. And then in there you can kind of put any different kind of like layers of pudding. Some people put fruit. Some people freeze it. It, so the no big cheesecake layer, it's not just cheesecake flavored pudding. It's actually no, like, it's actually okay. like whipped up cream cheese and like sugar and milk. Okay. So it's like a you know exactly what kind of like no big cheesecake would be like. It has roughly four hundred and twenty four calories per serving. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lifetime on the lips and a lifetime on the hips. Both. It's a new saying. <laughs> okay, so according to my fourth favorite news source, fabulously frugal. <laughs> com. <laughs> I just wanted to read you a couple of reviews because I'm trying to wrap my head around like people, how they feel about it, what they call it. It's very, it's a very like open-ended dessert. So yeah. Jen in 2011, these are all from 2011, says, we make it with crushed Oreo crust. It's truly sinful. Stacy says, thank you in all caps for this. I was looking for something new and simple to do and I believe this is the winner can't wait to eat it. My thighs. Thank you, too. Uh, and then M, who I have to deduce could only be Mike Pence's wife, says, we call this recipe chocolate pie squares. <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess chocolate pie squares is easier to say than chocolate pudding squares! Exclamation point. I have made this for years, and it always gets rave reviews. So these people are afraid to even mention sex or Robert Redford. This person is named Bobby, and I'm assuming it's my mom. Uh, Spelled the same way? uh Uh-huh. We call this Fat Man Pie! Six exclamation exclamation points. (laughs) Now I want to make one, but I don't have any time. Um, Then Cassie says... That was the review? Yes. Now I... (laughs) The review is, we call this Fat Man Pie! Six exclamation points. I want one, but I don't have any time. Okay, wow. This is... It's crazy. (laughs) She had time to write that in a review. (laughs) I guess. I know. In that amount of time, you could have made at least one of the layers. Cassie says, also named, quote, Republican dessert. Um, I grew up on this dish at church potlucks, and it was always the first dish that got eaten up. Making it for Christmas this year and can hardly wait. And then she just writes the N-word after that. Just kidding. (laughs) And then lastly... Groovy says, I know this as Dirty Snowman. What? <laughs> I don't know, bro. I guess I'd make it. It sounds like a lot of pudding. The and it's just Dirty Snowman? Yeah. Have you had this? <clears throat> yeah. And what do you say? I just like don't. I think I had a graham cracker crust version of it, which is not my favorite. Mm. Um, I just don't think that it's 
I don't understand how it got the name better than Robert Redford. Well, I'll it's tell just you. Like you want to know? Whipped cream and chocolate pudding. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Like, well, it's supposed. It's also called Better Than Sex. It's supposed because Robert Redford. I guess when it came out, when I tried finding the origin story, there's no real conclusion except that like it's just like better than sex or red robert redford was like the sexiest person so like eating this pie is like better even than having sex with robert redford which unless he is like not endowed which i will not accept as an answer there's no way this could be better than having sex with robert redford actually (laughs) even if he was even if he had the world's smallest penis having sex with him would obviously be better than this because i'm sure he's got some other skills um, after 83 well, years. Maybe he doesn't. If eating this pie is better <laughs> than having sex with Robert Redford, then I don't know if I want to keep on living. I have no hope. There's no hope. Anyway, I want to just quickly tell you about his two restaurants that he, he I think he owns a couple. He owns like the Sundance Resort, but... He owned this restaurant called Zoom Restaurant, which closed three years ago, and they served things like truffle mac and cheese and wood-grilled artichokes with uh, garlic aioli and salsa verde and buffalo onion rings, which sound very delicious to me. I would absolutely eat a buffalo onion ring right now. And it closed. There was, like, a bit of a dispute, according to my fifth favorite news source, The Hollywood Reporter, Mm -hmm. um, for... Different reasons. The landlord said one thing. The Sundance partner said another thing. I believe Sundance partners, obviously, because this landlord sounds like a shady piece of shit. That is just (laughs) hearsay. Does not reflect the opinions of Heritage Radio. Sundance partners, this is according to The Hollywood Reporter, quote, owners of Zoom sued the landlord of the property at 660 Main Street, alleging that Ken Adabala was trying to force the restaurant out before the exploration of their lease in 2020. The attorney for Adabala tells a different story, though. He says, quote, Zoom was allowing literally tons of grease to collect in a crawl space (laughs) under the kitchen Mm. um, last winter. And the building owner discovered the greasy mess and demanded that they clean it up. And they refused to. So they were going to try to knock down the building instead of get rid of the grease. Which wow. just doesn't sound correct. And then I found then also in the article they go on to say that Adabala, the landlord, is a financier uh, and a real estate mogul who is known for buying uh, O.J. Simpson's Brentwood compound, and who happened to purchase several parcels on Main Street in uh, Sundance to develop luxury properties. Weird. And then he developed the Sundance Resort, and according to the Sundance Resort website, there's, like, another restaurant in there called the Tree Room, which is supposed to be very lovely. I could only find really good reviews of it. Yeah, he built it literally around a tree. There's a tree inside of the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It says it all started in 19... with a tree in 1970. In 1970, Robert Redford built the first building at Sundance Mountain Resort, the Tree Room, a cabin constructed around an actual tree. Then the restaurant has grown but maintains a rustic, intimate atmosphere while serving some of the best cuisine in the area. Can I read you just one review? Sure. Okay, great. Because I feel like, you know, who cares? Do we need to really stick to a time? No! There's (laughs) no rules! Okay. This is the only bad review I could find, but I thought it was really just funny and telling of this person. P.S. They're from Dallas, Texas. Three stars. Disappointing. Too bad. We've been coming here for years, but this visit did not measure up. Lovely room as always. Excellent menu. However, execution was poor. Appetizers came out within 10 minutes of our order. However, all lukewarm. And my calamari was burned. 
which oh. just made me laugh. Because <laughs> I was like, how do you burn calamari? Also, why do people insist on ordering calamari at a restaurant in color or wherever the... Utah. Utah. Is <laughs> the whole thing, I mean, almost as if they were pre-prepared and placed on plates as soon as the order came in. Again, oh. two of our three dishes, the duck and steak two ways were also lukewarm, except the pepper steak. That was hot. Steak this, two ways. <laughs> I know. It's like, okay. But then... This is what really, like, got me. All three dishes were too sweet. <laughs> the calamari? <laughs> yeah, I guess. We did enjoy the cheese platter. Worst of all, we only saw our waiter three times, took order, brought back and opened a bottle of wine, and he brought the check, and it was wrong. We poured our wine through the entire dinner. However, the bus lady was good at keeping the water glasses filled. We did not leave a tip. And it was, and this person mentioned it was Christmas. So What the fuck? I know. This I'm only reading to highlight what an absolute monster um, this person is. And then I want to just read this one very cute, sweet review. Redford Siding. Peppercorn steak is delicious. We've been here twice and enjoyed both meals. The menu changes, but the one thing that is always on the menu is the peppercorn steak because it's Robert Redford's favorite. If you're wondering (laughs) if he does come into the restaurant, the answer is yes. And we saw him. He's not chatty, but my mom about Peter Pants and that when they made eye contact. Upscale food in a beautiful woodland setting. Servers are always friendly. We like to go for special occasions. I would not bring kids. I thought that was very sweet. And cute. And I honestly, like, besides that one bad review, with the, that person's obviously a, a serial killer. Um, <laughs> every review was so good. Everyone said it was so nice. And I looked at the decor and the, and the food looks delicious. And so I would love to get in the car right now and ask if I could pick you up. And we could just go take a little six-day drive and go dine there. They're probably closed. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with a quote. Health food may be good for the conscious, but Oreos taste a hell of a lot better. Robert Redford. Mic drop. He, yes, that's what he said. Um, that's what he said. Yes. <laughs> that's what he said. Should we take a break? Yeah. Okay, bye. The James Beard Foundation is a nonprofit with the mission to celebrate, nurture, and honor chefs and other leaders, making America's food culture more delicious, diverse, and sustainable for everyone. And right now, it's working to respond to the dire situation the food and beverage community is in due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Restaurants, bars, and other independent food and beverage operations are often on the front lines of community revival. The majority of culinary community businesses have less than 500 employees, but collectively this industry generates $1 trillion a year, 60% of which is pumped back into their local business communities. To help bring swift economic relief to these essential businesses, the James Beard Foundation launched a fund to provide microgrants to independent food and beverage businesses in need. You can donate at jamesbeard.org relief. And we're back. Nicole, what's up? Oh, hello. Oh, Merlo. <clears throat> Nothing really. What's up with you? Just drinking a glass of water, staring into the void. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk about Paul Newman. Thank God. Who I always think is blonde, but he's not really. No, he's more of a, he's more of like a light brunette. Yeah. His wife, his second wife, is blonde, Joanne Woodward. Well, he is one of the most attractive people that I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Yeah, it's a real hottie. Um, a real good guy. Okay, so Paul Newman was born in 1925 in Ohio. Whoa. He is probably most well known as a race car driver. <laughs> is that so? <laughs> And an IndyCar owner. He's cool. also been in several movies about playing pool. And he started a little natural food business. <laughs> <laughs> little known, uh, little natural food business. It's so cool that he did that. I'm very excited to hear the story of it. Yeah, it's not that interesting. Uh, so <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, he was in the Navy because he's so old. Uh, he was in the Navy during World War II. In the Pacific Theater, as they say. Oh. And he basically should have died on the ship Bunker Hill during the invasion of Okinawa, but he lived because the pilot of his plane had an ear infection. So basically his entire company, troop, whatever the hell they're called. they all, Beverly Hills. They all flew to this ship, and then they were about to invade Okinawa when two kamikaze planes crashed into the ship and, like, killed almost everybody on board. So Whoa. if he hadn't not gone there, I mean, if his pilot of his plane hadn't had an ear infection, he would have been dead. Oh, my God. But instead, he died of lung cancer in 2008. Oh, that's sad. Didn't Joanne Woodward die very shortly after him? Um, no, I, think- I, I don't think so. Am I wrong? Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I thought she did, but hopefully, I mean, hopefully she's still alive, and I just totally. I have no idea. I don't wrong. think that there's like there's a bunch of stuff going on about um, when he died. Well, he died in 2008, so it's been a long time. But um, oh my god, I'm so sorry, Joanne Woodward. That's terrible of me to say. I got that confused. Um, she's alive. She is still very much alive. I'm so sorry. And a beautiful, beautiful woman still. She at is 90. 90. I don't think she yeah. cares or can hear us. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I already apologized. Um. So yeah. So he died of he died of lung cancer in 2008. Even though he quit smoking in 1986. So I'm like, what's the point of me even trying to quit smoking if I'm still gonna get lung cancer? You know? Yeah. Totally. Um. Okay. In 1988, he founded this thing called the Serious Fun Children's Network, which is a global network of summer camps for children with serious illnesses. Isn't that adorable? That is adorable. What a nice, what a perfect, what a two perfect people. I know. And then, um, actually prior to that, he formed a food company called Newman's Own. And it was founded in 1982 by Newman, Paul. Newman. And A.E. Hotchner, who is a novelist and a neighbor of his, who lived to be 102 years old. Oh my God. And he wrote a memoir called Paul and Me. That states that their friendship started because they were both such terrible fishermen. Isn't that charming? Yes, it is. How <laughs> bad could you be? And isn't Robert Redford like a great fisherman? He's a fly fisherman, no? I don't know. Is he didn't? Did he direct *The River Runs Through It* or something? He sure did. <laughs> and he's a narrator. Oh, he is. Um, who the hell knows? Amazing how a bad fisherman and a good fisherman could find any common ground in this world. Well, I don't even know. I guess that's why he had to find A.E. Hotchner, his neighbor. Yeah. He's like, I can't hang around with you anymore, Bob. I need to find someone who sucks at fishing as much as I do. <laughs> um, so, Newman's all started with a salad dressing. So, 
Newman called Hotchner up and he's like, yo, can you come over here and help me with something? And he gets over there and Paul Newman has a freaking bathtub full of salad dressing. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And then he's bottling it up and giving it out as gifts to friends and neighbors. Just like literally in the bathtub. Yeah. I mean, it's in the, it's in the garage, but like, you know, okay. Um, so this is just like the origin story of Hidden Valley Ranch. Just people, I guess, made their own salad dressings at some point, and they gave them to their neighbors as gifts, which is a very strange thing to give as a gift. I, think. <laughs> I agree. It's it's unique. It's not like I think of something usually drier. I guess like a cake or cookies or something. <laughs> not well, usually a wet thing. Yeah. Right. Um. And <laughs> so. They, so people liked them so much that they decided to actually put them into production and put them in, like, little, you know, boutique, fancy grocery stores around Connecticut and a couple of nearby states. But the first year, they made a profit of $920,000. What? From the salad dressing. That's amazing. And then Paul Newman called up Hotchner, and he's like, Dude, we can't take this money. I'm an actor, and you are a writer. I don't know why that meant they couldn't take the money, but because um, <clears throat> they already have enough money. I guess do writers make that much money? <clears throat> he did write a very like well received biography of um, what's his name Hemingway, so maybe that's where he got all his money. But um, he was on that Hemingway cash train. <laughs> so basically, Paul's like, oh my god, we have to give all of our profits to charity. So, after that first year, all post-tax profits from Newman's own products have gone to charity. A hundred percent. They soon expanded into popcorn, juice, lemonade, cookies, pasta sauce, frozen pizza, wine. Wait, wine? Yeah, they make wine. Are you serious? I've never seen that. In the Wikipedia article, I think it's really funny. They make a distinction between juice, lemonade, and grape juice. They're all separate listings for what the (laughs) products are, which I think is interesting. That's hilarious. So, yeah, Newman's Own makes wine. I don't know where you can find it, but... I'm looking it up right now. Oh, yeah. Um, It's called um, Newman's Own Common Good. Newman's Own Common, Common Good Cabernet. It's eleven forty nine. Sounds gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can get it delivered. I'm gonna get one delivered to your house right now. No. Mm-hmm. What we should have done is do the research ahead of time, and you had to make that pudding cake, which you said you were gonna make, and then you never did. Well, listen to and me. Then- I had a <laughs> I had a thought of making the pudding cake, and then I'm like, listen, if I'm in this house with a full pudding cake. <laughs> and my pick of Robert Redford movies, I don't know if I'll ever come back from that. Like, I don't want to, like, push myself over some kind of singleness edge that I could never recover from. Oh, I don't know, man. <sighs> Are you right? You want to take a little rest and join no, us back when you're done? Your story about how oh. you could not possibly make the cake just really <laughs> made me tired. Or um, you to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So here's where some mild but pretty boring controversy takes place. In 1993, Newman's, one of Newman's five freaking daughters formed 
the Newman's own organic portion of the company. So Newman's own has not always been organic. So I didn't actually realize this. I thought that Newman's own was like the whole point of it was that it's like organic and good right. for you. But I was wrong. So okay. in 93, Newman's daughter was like, dad, listen, organic food is the wave of the future. And he was like, no, it's not. And so he just didn't understand what organic food was because he's old. And so he, um, she, the way that she convinced him to, <laughs> to do this is that she got a bunch of organic produce from California and made him a Thanksgiving dinner with it. And then when he was done eating, she was like, how did you like your all organic Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> <laughs> tricked you you've been eating organic this whole time dad like it would make a difference in the flavor he just like (laughs) barfs it up he's like i won't stand for this in this house um so he liked it so much that he switched made the switcheroo well no so basically she started the organic portion of the company and it's still the rest of the company was still making non-organic items so essentially she kind of like had her own Company and she paid a royalty to the Newman's company for the name. And oh, then wow. on the packaging is a picture of her and a picture of him. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so she basically, the, the, she started off with pretzels. She was passionate about pretzels. Um, we all, I love a pretzel. I'm not a fan, but. Oh um, man, I love pretzels so much. These pretzels at one are point, thirsty. Yeah, so she basically made it so that Newman's pretzels was the number one selling organic pretzel in the country. And then. Right after that, Fig Newman's became the number one selling organic cookie in the country. So she did a good job. Like she was successful. That's amazing. But it's still like it was two separate companies. Very, Um, very, very interesting. So then Holliman starts to get sick and he's starting to die and he changed his will like 12 times. And essentially he handed over the company to this guy named Bob Forrester, who some people say is, like, ruining everything and, like, not doing what their dad wanted and, like, taking money away from the kids and, like, whatever. Um, But the biggest thing that happened is that basically her, like, license or whatever was set to renew in 2014 or something like that. And so that she could continue, like, as a separate portion, continue with the organic company. But they didn't renew it. So basically she had to step down and fold the organic company into the Newman's company. So now it's all one. And then they started taking her picture off of all of the labels. Oh, I was going to say, because I have a, a, I got us each a Newman's product for this podcast and I got the mint Oreos for myself and they're organic. And I was going to say, I didn't see a picture of her on the label. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. I know. So I don't know. There's a really, really, really long article in Vanity Fair about it. If you're interested in yeah, for sure. the back and forth about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really seem like there's one bad guy or one good guy. Basically, once millionaires die, there's almost always some sort of really annoying lawsuit about it. And it just goes to show you that money is evil. Yep, absolutely. We should stop using money. I'm not even kidding. But um, <laughs> um, Okay, that- one final thing. Oh, yeah. Since 1982, Newman's Own has donated over $500 million to charity. That's amazing. I was just going to say, like, what a cool... I mean, Paul Newman is an amazing actor, was an amazing actor. Uh, Just seemed like a, you know, not only just an amazing actor, but seemed like a genuinely nice guy. Had, like, a lot of swagger. 
yeah like a kind smile and then to like do something like that like start this like food company i don't know that donates all the money to charity is like so cool it's such an interesting part of his legacy nobody would even do that anywhere also some cute things about paul newman he when he started when he was like towards the end of his life he decided he wasn't going to like be in the public eye anymore and so he went over to a e hodgner's house and burned his tuxedo in the driveway (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that's awesome he's he's like i'm never going to go to another black tie event as long as i live Um, that's the coolest thing i've ever heard I know. And then when he's talking about... Because, you know, he never really was big into, like, the the limelight and, like, going out all the time. He lived in Connecticut. So he just... He said this about his wife, Joanne Woodward. And by all accounts, they had this amazing love story and they were, like, attracted to each other their whole lives. But um, he said about Joanne Woodward, I have steak at home, so why would I go out for a hamburger? <laughs> That's amazing. I love him even more. And Joanne, again, I know you're listening. I'm so sorry I said I thought you were dead. I think I just had that because I knew that they had this epic love story. And you were telling me that the other day. And I think part in my head, I was like, um, you know, when couples love each other so much that they die right after each other. Not that yeah. I wanted her to die. I'm, I'm making this worse. But <laughs> I think in my mind, I was like, Oh, she died right after him because they were so in love. But I'm very glad. Well, she's I mean, alive. she got fifty percent of his six hundred million dollar estate, so she had something to live for. That's great. I'm glad. I hope she's thriving and happy and healthy and safe. And that's an amazing, uh, amazing story. And I, I lo- have always loved Newman stuff. I remember when I was younger, we always had the Newman salad dressing in the house. It was <laughs> delicious. That like Italian one that had, I think it had like cheese in it like it was a yeah. parmesan dressing or something it's so delicious it's so good um you know i know we're gonna do top three like about something else but do you have a top three of newman's products that you like yeah i like the vanilla sandwich cookies which you did not get for me they didn't have the them <laughs> the only things they had in the store were the fig newman's and the mint oreos and i know you didn't like mint oreos ew mint oreos was like a curse no they're my um, favorite I like the I like the vanilla sandwich cookies. Um, I also like the ginger rolls, which apparently are hard to find. According mm. to my friend, um, for some reason the vanilla sandwich cookies are all around my neighborhood. I can find them pretty easily. How is the fig Newman? They're good. Yeah, I haven't had a fig Newton in so long. I know. Um, I really... and then I also like the frozen pizza. You know, I've never had the frozen pizza, but I loved. I have a kind of random. Newman product uh, love was that I really, really, really liked their pink lemonade. Oh, yeah. That stuff is good. It was so good. We always had the pink lemonade in the house growing up. Um, and then there was like a salsa, I think, that we always used to have growing up. Did they yeah, salsa? salsa? Yeah. Too. Delicious salsa. Um, I really like the Fig Newmans and I really loved the salad dressing growing up. I haven't had it in so long, but when you were mentioning it before, it, like, really brought me back, and the thought of him making it in his bathtub is cool. What is pink lemonade? Pink lemonade? Um, it's from the uh, rare, rare pink lemon that only grows in Guadalupe. Um, it's just lemonade with, like, I think maybe a little bit of red food coloring in it, just enough That's to make it, it pink. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to be, like, raspberry lemonade. I have no idea. But it's there is something the, about the pink color that makes it um, more desirable. We'd also get the regular lemonade. I housed that. That's actually probably why I was a little chunky as a kid. I mean, I was just drinking a fucking gallon of lemonade a day. 
Yeah, I mean, I also, we would have the Country Time lemonade powder. Oh, yeah. Um, Did you ever eat it plain? Just like dick, your, like dick. Dip your ab- dick in it? <laughs> Absolutely. I would, did you ever just put your dick in that lemonade powder and go to town? <laughs> um, what are your top three favorite, it could be Newman or Redford movies, or it could be oh, one of okay, both so of them. My top three favorite Paul Newman films are, hold on, I made that list. The Towering Inferno and Rally Round the Flag, boys. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually have seen The Towering Inferno, though. It's pretty good. It's getting fine. Whatever. I've never um, seen it. But I like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I love The Sting, and I like The Color of Money, which is a sequel to The Hustler, which is uh, two movies about playing pool that Paul Newman is in, which I made that joke earlier. I never saw The Hustler, but The Color of Money is amazing with Tom Cruise. Um, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to do a mix-up of of Redford and um, Redford Newman. So Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid I just saw for the first time, and it is so good that I bought it. I've watched it three times already in the past. Yeah, it's really good. It's just like, it's a perfect movie, Burt Bacharach does the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is just as good as the movie, and I believe the soundtrack won a couple of Academy Awards. It's amazing. It's just beautiful. They're both at their best. They play off each other, like, so, so, so well. Um, The Sting is also an amazing movie with the both of them. Um, I watched a Redford movie the other day, which is an indie film called Downhill Racer, which I really liked. It was about downhill skiing, ski racing. But um, it was almost about nothing like there wasn't really a plot it was just a kind of character study and and like a bit of a study in the world of downhill racing but it was just really well done and really really enjoyable to watch and like kind of a weird wacky movie and redford was just so hot and it was almost unbearable and then (laughs) i watched a movie last night which is definitely my favorite redford movie uh although i will say indecent proposal is amazing although he looks kind of like old on one side of his face and like, or, like, aging on one side of his face in Indecent Proposal and still young on the other, which I found to be... He's, like, ruddy. His skin's kind of ruddy in that. Yeah. Like, you know, growing up, actually, I always, like, everyone's like, oh, Robert Redford, and I was like, I don't know. I I always remember his skin. I thought his skin was pocked or something, but you know what it is? It's just, like, the grooves in his face. He just has this, like, red. But it's also kind of, like, reddish. Mm. Redfordish. But anyway, I need to tell you about an amazing film. If you guys haven't seen it, you have to watch it. It's called uh, The Electric Horseman. And it actually, like, I watched it two times in the past two days. It's Jane Fonda and Robert Redford. I believe it's from, like, 1980. Um, And he plays this, like, this, like, kind of ex-cowboy who finds, and he's an alcoholic, and he finds a new career as a spokesman for this cereal called Ranch Breakfast. And so he has a lot of money and like he's asked to, he's like, has an alcohol problem and he goes to Vegas and he's asked to like, be like, standing with this racehorse, like advertising ranch breakfast and he realizes the horse is being mistreated. So he basically just rides away from, rides away with the horse off the Las Vegas strip and like sets out on a mission to set it free. <laughs> and Jane Fonda follows him. She's a reporter. And first of all, they're amazing together. Some of his best acting, I think, is with Jane Fonda. Like, um, Barefoot in the Park was incredible. Yeah, Um, I love Barefoot in the Park. So, but it was really interesting because I'm like, it just reminded me a lot of 
Bernie in a way. I don't know, just like someone on a mission to do the thing that they think is the right thing and not really compromising and just kind of going full throttle with it and being very genuine. And it was just interesting to have watched that two times in the past few days. And uh, You watched The Electric Horseman two times? Yeah, it's so good. It really is a really, 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 really good movie. I loved it. That reminds me of another Robert Redford movie called The Verdict from the 90s where he is a lawyer, like a down on his luck lawyer, alcoholic also, again, lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes this medical malpractice lawsuit to, like because he really needs the cash, and then mm-hmm. he realizes that it's like the right thing to do. He kind of always does the right thing. Yeah. Like, even in Indecent Proposal, he does the right... Like, he's just a good guy. I feel like he's unavoidably good. He's handsome. He's the world's perfect man. And he's married, and he's also 83. Although that wouldn't really stop me, because I think he's still extremely attractive. Um, and I'm also attracted to Bernie Sanders. And so sue, so sue me. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's that. That's how I feel. Great. Um, octogenarians and Zara. Yeah, fuck it. I do not give a shit what happens anymore. I will... If there was, like, a, pe- a penis attached to a nice person in front of me, I don't really care about the age at this point. It's been... A long couple months. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> Quarantined here all by myself. It's not fair. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, I have my feral cats on my roof, but I'm also all alone. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole was like, there's feral kittens on my roof. I'm like, how do you know? Do you hear them scratching? And she's like, no, I just have been heard them crying all day. I'm like, what a depressing <laughs> scenario. Like, Bernie Sanders drops out, coronavirus, John Prine is dead, and all to the tune of a bunch of crying baby kittens. It's like, very Dickensian. Um, so, anyway, uh, are we done <laughs> with the episode? <laughs> And good night. <laughs> and I am done uh, with this. I've got to go make a seven-layer pudding dip. <laughs> How many layers? I think that you should make it. I'll make it. I'll make it. You know what I'll make? I'll make it for my coming out party when I can come out of my apartment and share pudding cake with other people. <laughs> I can't, again, I cannot go into solo whole pudding cake mode here at the apartment. <laughs> It's not a good move for me. For my mental state. Not that I care even so much about eating it or the calories so much as I feel like it just signifies something uh, dark (laughs) for me. Like a Kathy cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I would have had to not get out of sweatpants for days and then I'm just saddled up here with this giant seven layer pudding cake. That's so many different layers of pudding. It's not seven layers. Some people, it was called Better Than Sex Cake. One story said because originally it was six layers. So some people have it with a cookie layer, a cream cheese layer, uh, a butterscotch layer, a chocolate layer, a whipped cream layer, and then I guess they count the shaved chocolate on top as a layer, although it's a pretty skimpy layer if you ask me. You just have a, a cream cheese layer? Yeah, cream cheese. Uh, the, that's the no-bake cheesecake layer. Oh, I see, I see. Too many layers. I don't have that kind of time. I'm trying to teach myself how to play guitar. Right. Did you get a guitar? I did. My stepdad gave me one. Aww. Very nice of him. But I don't have a pick. So if you're out there and you're single, bring me a pick, okay? A dick pick. How did he get you the guitar? Uh, I went and picked it up from their house today in my car. 
And when I drove out to their house, they left it on the doorstep, and I picked it up. <laughs> it's very nice. And then they hosed down the, the porch with bleach. That's, yeah, and then they burnt their house down. Now they're just moving on. <laughs> they're on All right. the road. Let's get out of here. Okay, bye. Um, hasta la pasta. And uh, good night and good luck. Bye. 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 Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, we at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the way that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org slash COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists to firsthand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners to reports on how the crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate.